Welcome to the 902 podcast, the official podcast of the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office in Lincoln, Nebraska. I'm Captain John Vick, and I want to thank you for tuning in. This podcast will give you an inside look at LSO with topics and guests to discuss public safety issues impacting Lancaster County. Be sure to subscribe for highlights on news cases and the people working for you at LSO. You can also follow us across social media by searching for at LSO Nebraska. That's at LSO Nebraska on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. So to get us started today, we've got two co-hosts in the room. Appreciate you guys being here, but nobody better to start with than Sheriff Terry Wagner. Chief Deputy Ben Houchin, appreciate you guys being here. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. This is this is your show. So okay. This is how we get it kicked off. We're calling this episode zero. Zero. Um, some people say to start with zero. Hopefully, we're going to try and give an intro to some of our listeners that are out there and uh, people that are subscribing to our podcast, but wanted to give them a little bit of a sense of who we are here at LSO and figure there was nobody better to start with than you two. So I wanted to ask, what... What would you say drew you to LSO? How did how did you get here? How did how did you become who you are today when it when it becomes uh, the sheriff's office? Well, you, you've got to remember that when my decision was made, it was 1976. So um, I had just um, in 1972, I turned 18. I was expecting to get drafted and probably sent to Vietnam. And in 1973, that ended. So then I was uh, sort of, um, gosh, what do I do now? So I spent the next three years kind of figuring out what I wanted to do with my life, and I I decided I wanted to uh, see if law enforcement was a good fit for me. So I went to the Nebraska State Patrol, and at that time they wouldn't hire anybody under five ten, and I'm about five eight and a half, so they wouldn't even give me an application to be a state trooper. Um, Lincoln Police walked the beat for two years at that time before he got into a patrol car, and I really didn't I didn't want to walk a beat for two years, and and. Uh, and the, uh, the gas station I worked at had uh, was open 24 hours a day. A lot of sheriff's deputies came in there for gas because they bought gas um, on the economy back then, and the sheriff came in on a regular basis. And um, so I applied at the sheriff's office. Sheriff came in one day, and, you know, back then I was riding a Harley-Davidson, had longer hair, and he said, I didn't know you were interested in law enforcement. And I said, well, I am. He said, well, we don't have any openings right now. And I said, I know, I got the letter. And uh, he said, but we need a dispatcher, and if you'll agree to dispatch, I'll make sure that the next commission becomes available, you'll get it. So I started in June of 1976 as a dispatcher, and then in August, late August of the, that year, uh, one of the deputies resigned, and I got that commission. So that's how I came to be with LSO back then. I uh, went to the Nebraska Law Enforcement Training Center out in Grand Island and. 1976, um, graduated from there, uh, worked my, my career here at uh, LSO and was a, became an accident reconstruction specialist. Uh, that became my area of interest and expertise. And um, I was also uh, on our tactical response unit and became a team leader for that, for that unit um, during that time. And then in 1990. For um, tumultuous year here at LSO, um, Sheriff uh, Cassidy uh, was selected to become the chief of police for the city of Lincoln, and the county board appointed a replacement who was sworn in on a Tuesday and resigned on a Wednesday. 
And then uh, it was sort of like up in the arms on who was who were they going to appoint to be sheriff. So they appointed retired district court judge uh, Samuel Van Pelt with the understanding that he couldn't serve very long past the election because he wasn't a certified law enforcement officer. It's really a very wise move on the board's part. So I decided I would run for sheriff um, that year, and uh, I was unopposed in the primary, and I won, I won the general election um, by about 611 votes. Tight. Tight, very tight. Wow. Yeah, and then I was uh, unopposed for the next uh, six terms, and my eighth term here, I've obviously had an opponent last year and and prevailed there, so I'm into my eighth term of office. So with your eighth term in office, are, have, are you now the longest-serving sheriff in Lancaster County? I am. Um, Merle Carnop served seven years uh, as sheriff, uh, seven terms, I'm sorry, 28 years, and I have exceeded that now after... Um, after being sworn in again for this for this eighth term, November fifth. Okay. You started earlier than most because you... I, I did. Uh, yeah, actually, I could have stopped it in the seven terms because when Sam Van Pelt was sheriff and he couldn't serve past a, a given time period because he wasn't a certified law enforcement officer, the county board swore me in early to fulfill that term of office. So I was the fourth sheriff that we had in 1994. Wow. So I was sworn in in late November, served November, December, and then sworn again to the term with which I was elected uh, early that first week in January. So I had that six weeks uh, time span there uh, where I had already exceeded uh, Carnup's length of service. Okay. Ben. Mine's not as exciting as that. Um, I graduated from Wesleyan in 1991. I had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do. So I started working at the pen. And I worked there 13 months. Um, at that time, I saw an application for this. And I don't have anybody in law enforcement in my family whatsoever. And so I saw that. I go, God, that may be kind of fun um, to go do for four or five years so what I can figure out what I really want to do with my life. And so um, I applied. God, back then, I think we had like 800 people were trying to get hired at that time. And I, I was lucky enough of the five to be one of the five to uh, get hired. And that's how I ended up starting my uh, career here. And uh, so I started that on June 6th of 1993. So I'm coming up to my uh, 30th year being here come in June. And uh, it's been uh, an unbelievable ride. I, you know, I've worked narcotics. I've worked undercover. Um, Worked a ton in uh, criminal at that time. Uh, became early on, probably two and a half years, no, three and a half years into my career, I got onto the TRU team. And uh, I was lucky enough, I became the assistant team leader through my years, team leader and uh, commander of that unit uh, during my tenure here. Um, so that's been um, exciting on that. Also, uh, became a polygraph examiner, did a lot with crime scene tech and things of that nature. And uh, it's it's been a heck of a good ride at this point in time. I got promoted to sergeant in 2000, and I worked criminal uh, as a criminal sergeant. And then in 2005, I got promoted to a captain and uh, went through that, worked uh, uh, the courts division, patrol, and uh, two ster terms through uh, criminal at, at five years. And uh, in October 2020, um, I became the chief deputy and, and serving there at this point in time. Awesome. 
Well, thank you guys for uh, letting our listeners know a little bit about you. Appreciate that. One of the big questions that we hear when we go out and do talks in public, you guys give presentations and things like that a lot of times, but it seems like a simple question, but it's probably a longer answer. What What is a sheriff? What, what do you tell people when... That's exactly right. I'll, I'll, I'll just throw that question out to groups when I speak to them. What do sheriffs do? And have them kind of cock their head and think, well, I don't know, what do sheriffs do? And, um, you know, they'll generally... They'll, they'll talk about our, our general patrol duties, traffic enforcement, acts investigation, uh, initial investigation of calls for service. But they tend to forget about those duties that have been given to sheriffs by the legislature. And that's <clears throat> civil process, court security, prisoner transportation, sex offender registration, handgun permits, um, title inspections. So those are all tasks that the legislature enacted that were given to sheriffs to perform. So we have clearly about one half of, of the sheriff's office personnel are dedicated to those tasks that are only done by sheriffs. No, nobody else does them in this state. So when you look at our, our law enforcement function, criminal investigations, um, in our, our deputies on patrol. That's a little over half of our workforce. The rest of the employees are dedicated to those tasks that I mentioned. So you see, you see sheriffs on, on Western movies and things like that. I mean, is that where it started or where, where, where does the word sheriff even come from? Well, <laughs> uh, the sheriffs, the sheriffs started in, in medieval England, uh, around 900 uh, AD. And if you remember back, uh, to the to the uh, Robin Hood days, the sheriff of Nottingham, mm-hmm. Nottinghamshire, by the way, um, is uh, you know what's he known for? Well, he's known for collecting taxes and being kind of corrupt. And it's interesting that we still collect taxes today on people who don't pay their taxes. But it, back in the day, uh, you know, all of the counties in England are called shires. So Nottinghamshire, we just mentioned that, Hertfordshire, Buckinghamshire. And then um, each shire had a reef, um, or that was a guardian for the shire. And that word, reef, the shire reef, became a contract, contracted and into the word sheriff. Um, sheriffs were the first elected officials in America in about 1610 in Virginia. And, um, you know, the, the tasks of uh, local government were really put upon them, um, serving summonses, running houses of correction, uh, handling most of the uh, government operations then of, of counties. And then, of course, as you move into the 17 and 1800s, um, sheriffs were the law enforcement officers for those geographical areas in their states, they're in their counties. And um, a lot of Western shows have been made about, West, about, about sheriffs. Some flattering, some not. But, you know, I, one of the questions I always ask people, you know, name two famous sheriffs uh, in history, um, real or imaginary, and people will throw out Matt Dillon. Well, he was a U.S. Marshal, and we talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, Andy Griffith was a good example of a, a sheriff in, in the town of Mayberry in North Carolina, um, and uh, those, those reruns are still on today, and they're, they're a great example of 
pure community policing and really the way we wish policing could be handled today. But um, and, and the sheriff of Nottingham was the other uh, imaginary sheriff that you think of. But um, you know, looking back on famous sheriffs in this county, first sheriff um, was Lois Luter in 1861. So we've been around a, just about a hundred and. 63 years now, 62 years. Um, but probably the most famous sheriff in Lancaster County's history was Merle Carnop. He was sheriff, uh, elected sheriff in 1950 and served, uh, you know, 28 years um, until 1979. But he was sheriff during the Charles Starkweather murder spree in 1957 and 58. Um, he was also president of the Nebraska National Sheriff's Association, uh, which is the only Nebraska sheriff to have attained uh, that honor. And um, so, yeah, Sheriff Connop was an interesting guy. He uh, was a transitional sheriff as far as our office is concerned, you know, evolved into a, a night patrol, a, you know, a standard kind of a police force, if you would. And so it was an interesting time between 50 and 79. I got hired by Sheriff Connop in 76, and... Uh, yeah, and he was, uh, he was quite a guy. I really, really uh, appreciated knowing him. So, Ben, for the people that are listening that don't know what the modern Lancaster County Sheriff's Office is like, how would, how, how would you lay out our divisions for them and our duties now? Wow, you know, I was just sitting here thinking with uh, Sheriff Wagner's talking about how Sheriff Carnop changed it, but I mean, I've been here since 1993, and how the sheriff's office has changed from here, from then till now, is just unbelievable. And uh, uh, the progression that this uh, agency has done throughout the years, and it, it speaks highly of Sheriff Wagner on that part. I do want to give that plug on that. Um, <clears throat> you know, our first, uh, we'll start with the criminal division. You know, they have general investigators, and then um, VAWA, and our EEU unit. Um, is one of the best, I think, in the Midwest, if not all into the nation. And uh, they, uh, they do a heck of a job on, you know, with the evidence with cell phones at this day and age and how important that is and us being able to um, get into phones to obtain the evidence we need to make convictions is uh, unbelievable. And uh, we have a lot of outside agencies who are using our um, abilities on that to uh, send us the phones and do that. And then we have our... Marshall Task Force, which I think helps extremely. Wouldn't you say, Sheriff, on keeping the crime down on uh, in Lincoln Lancaster? Yeah, the the U.S. Marshals Task Force is really they're out there arresting bad guys the minute those warrants get issued, and I think that's that really has helped keep violent crime down in Lincoln Lancaster County. Yeah. And then you know you move to our criminal interdiction unit that's uh, up on the interstate and. You know, not only are they uh, arresting people for narcotics, but, you know, there's uh, um, human trafficking that they're ending up dealing with and doing a lot of things like that. They've uh, caught thousands of Cadillac converters that were being transported and uh, being used that way. They've uh, assisted in catching the homicide suspects and doing all those works up there. So uh, they're doing a great job. Then there's our, our patrol, and I think that's what... People would probably identify law enforcement the most is those are the units that are out there running their traffic, working the acts, and taking the calls for service and doing those kind of things. And then we have our courts division, 
And, uh, and I don't think as many people know them and uh, what they're doing, but you know, they're doing a lot of prisoner transport in state, out of state, and uh, picking up fugitives doing that. They're the ones that do our title inspections um, out at 46th and R. Those are the ones you see for if you have a car and you purchase it out of state. Um, and then the courtroom security as they come through. I mean, a lot of people who come into the Hall of Justice get to meet our front security guards as they go through the metal detectors and the scanners and things of that. So that is that group. Um, and then we have the professional standards, which is our brand new one that you know very well, uh, John. Uh, you're the captain of that division. And uh, I, I tell you, I'm going to let you go ahead and kind of chat about that since you're the expert on that one. Yeah, I mean, that's a big, big part of the reason that we're we're doing this podcast and why we're here today is we're we're trying to be responsive to some of the demands of our community and and we've we've definitely heard some of the demands from our community that they want us to be um, more open and and maybe transparency is the word that you hear sometimes but uh, I think that means different things to different people but certainly what we want to be able to do is is number one um, be able to engage the community talk to the community and uh, build trust with the community. And a couple different ways that we do that. Number one, we, we talk with them through a number of different methods, like this being one of them, a podcast. We've definitely ramped up our social media presence, things like that. But the other is that we just have to keep our, our accountability uh, in line too. And, and people have to know that we are, uh, we're doing things the right way for the right reasons. And, and so our professional standards division oversees all of our hiring, uh, all of our training, uh, and, and also sometimes our, our disciplinary investigations, too, uh, when, when people aren't doing things the right way. And so that's, that's really the, the need that, uh, that gave way to the professional standards division. So uh, it's a, the smallest division we have right now, but uh, definitely no two days are ever the same. So uh, we, we, stay, we stay plenty busy. So You know, you mentioned the IA portion of it. Um, the one thing I think I'm really extremely proud of is the number of complaints that we do get in here is extremely low and most of the uh, investigations that I believe I gets in are internal investigations that we find ourselves they're not called in so yep. I, I feel lucky that most of our people are are out there doing the right things in that uh, we find if we find you know we're finding the problems and dealing with it before it becomes a problem on the outside and I think that's huge because I think one year we've only had two and we got 115 114 employees um, that says a lot about uh, what's going on, especially in what we do for our profession. Yeah. And then uh, we have our the next and last division is special services, who does our records and our civil process on those. Uh, you know, they're serving the uh, civil papers, uh, going out there and, and, and doing that part of it. Um, again, they do the taxes and, and, and collect those. Also, they're the ones at the front that answers the phones, do the reports, files all those, do all the sex offender registrations, handguns, and all those kind of things. They're very busy up there all the time. And that's another, besides the patrol um, division, they're the other 24-hour operation that has to be up and going all the time and doing that stuff. And then with that, we have our specialty groups, our tactical response units, our um, uh, a drone unit that uh, we use a ton that's becoming um, more and more uh, helpful, on, especially on crashes and crime scenes and even using them in tactical situations. Um, then we have our crash team, as I mentioned, that go out there. And luckily this year we haven't had very, or the last couple of years we haven't had to use them as much, but uh, they are extremely well trained. Uh, we have our honor guard that is used probably as much as any um, 
uh, specialty group. Then we have our field force uh, that is also that's uh, works a lot with uh, the Lincoln Police Department and, and does that. Uh, then our, our crime scene techs and uh, I would you always hate to have to have them use because something bad but I tell you if something bad happens to your family you want this group to come out because they're going to find and do what needs to be done and then we have our uh, officer involved uh, shooting team that uh, works hand in hand with the Lincoln Police Department so if one of our agencies are involved in a shooting and the sheriff or the chief of police uh, decides that they want that group to come out and investigate which they mostly do that uh, they're out there and they got the expertise on how to go through that and also the important thing is to be transparent and uh, we want to make sure that the public uh, can trust what's going on and the best thing to do is have another agency investigate what transpired well we're really looking forward to hopefully being able to use this platform as a way to meet some of those people and hear some of those stories behind what's going on at lso so we'll we'll definitely be looking forward to having them on on future episodes Sheriff, before we get into a little bit more of kind of how this podcast is going to look down the road, help our listeners understand what our what our jurisdiction is. Maybe what's the difference? Uh, you talked a little bit about the difference between police officers and sheriffs, but, but where, where does our jurisdiction start and stop? Well, um, you know, you look at it a couple of different ways. What's our statutory jurisdiction or statutory authority and then our, our physical uh, jurisdiction? So Lancaster County is... Uh, 24 miles wide, 36 miles deep, north and south, so 864 square miles about. And um, there are 23 towns, villages, and cities in Lancaster County, and only one of them has its own police department, which is Lincoln. So we are the law enforcement provider for uh, the other 22 towns and villages in the county, in addition to seven state recreation areas that we share concurrent jurisdiction with the Game and Parks Commission, uh, Interstate 80, U.S. Highway 77, U.S. Highway 34, U.S. Highway 6. We, we share concurrent jurisdiction with Nebraska State Patrol on those highways. And then we've got our state highways, Highway 2, Highway 43, um, Highway 79. Uh, it, yeah, so we, we, we share that jurisdiction with a number of different agencies at any given time. Uh, we work closely with the University of Nebraska Police Department as well. So that's kind of where our jurisdiction is. Awesome. So we've, we've talked about where sheriffs come from, what different duties and divisions we have here, things like that, but really it all boils down to our mission statement. And I know both of you have worked a lot on our mission statement over the last you know, few years, really. Um, but our, our, our mission statement at the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office now is to provide exceptional law enforcement services that reduce crime, enhance public safety, and build public trust. So ultimately, day in, day out, that's, that's what we want the, the 115 employees here at the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office to be doing. And I think getting back to why we're doing a podcast, that, that last part of building public trust, we want to be able to, I think, let people see a little bit behind the curtain as to who is, who is doing this work and what work are we doing for the citizens in Lancaster County. And hopefully this will be just yet another platform that allows us to do that. Um, you know, I was recently, I had the honor to represent LSO in Quantico, Virginia at the FBI National Academy with, uh, it's a program both of you are graduates of as well. So thank you for sending me. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I was exposed to out there was the concept of using some of these different modes of, of 
communications and different strategies to be able to build that public trust. Uh, it was something that came up in the uh, president's task force on 21st century policing. And um, some of the things that, uh, that came out of that was um, some pillars dealing with building trust and legitimacy within communities and then also leveraging technology and social media. So that's really one of, one of our goals that we've talked about. And, and it's one of our goals that's in our strategic plan of, of developing and maintaining effective external communications. Hopefully this is just one of many ways that we can, we can continue doing that. But I, I really appreciate both of your support for being able to do this and uh, just, just yet another way to, to reach out to the community. But any thoughts on, on what your feelings are of building, building that public trust and, and maybe, maybe some things that you wish people knew about LSO? Well, I'm going to tell you, one of the biggest things is um, our values, and we have those on our branding on our steps. And the first one that's there that I think is probably one of the biggest one is treat everyone with fairness, dignity, and respect. And that's one thing I think that's the, the sheriff's office here in Lancaster does greatly because, um, one, if you're not getting very many complaints, you know people are out there doing it well. Um, one of the things I love is getting those phone calls, getting those emails from individuals who are just so relieved and thankful that our people were there and helped them through those. You know, we do the coroner reports all the time, and it's a very trying part for a lot of the families who are experiencing a death of a loved one. And our people have to go in there and do a job. And I am so impressed how our deputies do that and, uh, you know, the compassion they show to these individuals and uh, explaining it, why we're there and what we're doing. And uh, I know the sheriff and I get tons of calls and emails all the time about um, our people and how thankful they were. And I, I, I love that part of it. And I think that's um, a huge thing. And I'm just, um, we've been doing community policing for so long. I don't, I think we even started before that name came along. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that is so important on, on that, you know. Um, this job sometimes we, we have to go do things we don't like to do, but the big thing is that the culture here is professional, kind, and treating everybody with dignity and respect, and it's really shown here, and I think it's been this way for a long time. You know, if, if you treat people fairly, they will accept things that they, f they feel are fair to them. So even if they're being arrested for a crime, if they feel that's been done fairly and respectfully, they're much more willing to comply with our requests. And, and I've, I've had people call, call me or send me a letter that said, I, you know, I was arrested for drunk driving by deputy so-and-so, and I, I appreciate what they did for me. It was a turning point in my life. I know now I had a drinking problem and I'm, I'm gonna quit drinking. Things like that are, are really immeasurable. And so um, treating people fairly and with dignity and respect is just huge. I, I tell every deputy, if you're going to make a traffic stop, you know, how would you want your mother or your sister or your wife to be treated uh, by another law enforcement officer and, and treat people accordingly? Well, we, we've had these conversations a lot, and, and Ben hit on it too, and you did as well, Sheriff, of things that, things that we feel that we've always done at LSO. Um, but hopefully this is just yet another way that we can maybe reach out to people and, and tell them some of the stories and, and hear from some of the people that yep. do that type of stuff day in and day out. And uh, I certainly hope that's the case. I alluded to the, the FBI and a little bit. Um, I graduated session 284. 
any thoughts from from your experience? We could we could probably do a whole episode just on just on the NA experience. Well, just for the viewer, just for the listeners' um, edification, the FBI has a national leadership training program for local law enforcement in Quantico, Virginia, right with their their academy for new agents. And so, um, one tenth of one percent of law enforcement officers get invited to attend the national academy. So I I've attended. Uh, Chief Deputy Houchin has. Uh, Captain Trotter, Captain Witte, and now Captain Vic have uh, all attended the training as well. And uh, over the years, we've had a number of senior management personnel attend the National Academy. It is one of the most, it's one of the best professional experiences that I ever had. Um, the contacts that I made even 25 years ago when I attended um, are still useful today. Yeah, I went back, uh, it was in uh, April of 2007 when I went, uh, 229, and uh, the, like you said, the contacts. Um, my roommate, uh, who is now second in charge of the Georgia State Patrol, and just being able to call up people that you knew and, uh, uh, from the course and get some ideas and do all that is great. Now, one of the problems I have now is a lot of them that I went to uh, school with or uh, Quantico with are, are retired. They're retired, yeah. Yep. And, and uh, I, the, the contacts aren't there. But the great thing is, is you know, with the Nebraska Association, uh, the FBINA, and the national one that we're so lucky enough to be able to be a part of, you get to go to those trainings and keep and make new contacts and uh, keep it up on that part of it. Because there's nothing, you know, why reinvent the wheel if you can call somebody and go, hey, how do you guys do this? Well, like if you have something in New York City, if you call their main information number, where do you think that's going to get you? Yeah. And so if you have someone you can call directly and say, you may not be able to help me, but can you point me in the right direction? Right. That's, that's worth a lot. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, the networking is a, a big piece of the curriculum out there and it's, it's very intentional um, that they, they do that just for reasons like yeah. that. But uh you know, I, I took a class. I, I've listened to podcasts. Um, I, I knew podcasts were a thing. Uh, I hadn't completely given it thought in a law enforcement context until I, I there's, there's college classes out there. And uh, Cynthia Lewis, Mari Shine uh, were instructors out there for me and uh, exposed me to this idea in one of my communications classes. And so we're just we're looking forward to trying it out here at, uh, at the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office. So I, I think the goal, uh, what we're trying to do, again, just give, it, give our listeners an inside look at LSO, hopefully tell some of those stories, um, talk about some of the updates, cases maybe, and um, just, just things that don't lend themselves to 30-second sound bites that, that we want people to know about the good things that are going on here at LSO. But our, our hope is to maybe release monthly episodes. I think we're planning on having some guests on to talk about various public safety topics, things like that. And uh, we, we hope to hope to roll these out throughout uh, the rest of 2023 and, and beyond. But, um, you know, we, we titled it the 902 podcast, Sheriff, and 902 goes back a little ways. Where does that come from? Well, it does. Um, in the 1950s, uh, the, a statewide radio system for law enforcement was put into place. Um, the state patrol was sort of the uh, keeper of that system. And... Um, so every trooper from number one to number, they had to number 500 was their radio call sign. Um, you know, 600 would have been at that time, uh, state liquor inspectors, um, 700 were re numbers were reserved for game and parks officers. Um, 800 numbers were reserved for some other entity. 
and then 900 numbers were reserved for sheriffs. And so each sheriff in each county, uh, their radio call sign would be nine, followed by the number of their county. So in Lancaster County, we're county number two, so we're 902. And then the deputies are numbered uh, consecutively after that. So um, Chief Deputy Houchin is is uh, 9021. And, uh, you know, we're up to 902214 now. But um, so the sheriff out in Scotts Bluff would be 921. Um, you know, the sheriff in, in Cherry County would be, what, 973, I believe, or 975. That sounds right. Brown County, 75, I guess. So that's that's sort of, uh, in, in back in the day, if I had been traveling or if a sheriff was traveling into the state penitentiary with a prisoner, um, you know, and they called Lancaster County Sheriff's Office, it was, if it was 9215, we may not know who that person is, but we know he's a deputy sheriff from Scotts Bluff County with a prisoner. Mm-hmm. And um, and then we could help them out. However, that took place. So it was a great great method of communicating. That's that's how that numbering system came about. Well, we're kind of leveraging that a little bit with the title of our podcast. Again, all things Lancaster County Sheriff's Office. So, uh, Sheriff Wagner, Chief Deputy Houchin, really appreciate you being here today and joining us for episode zero of the nine zero two podcast. I'm Captain John Vick. We want to just thank everybody for listening today. Uh, Again, we want this podcast to give you an inside look at uh, topics and public safety issues within Lancaster County. Coming to you straight from the Lancaster County Sheriff's Office, be sure to subscribe for new episodes. And just remember, you can also follow us across social media by searching for at LSO Nebraska. That's at LSO Nebraska. And we're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thanks for listening.